Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. How are you all doing? Alhamdulillah. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim. Bismillahi r-Rahman r-Rahim. Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulihi al-kareem. Rabbish rahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa hlul uqdatan min lisani yafqahu qawli. Allahumma ahdi qalbi wa saddid lisani wa slul sakhimata qalbi. Amin ya rabbil alameen. Okay, so we were learning about the virtues of Makkah. About fadli Makkata wa bunyaniha. The virtues, the significance, the importance of the city of Makkah and also its buildings. And of course, what is meant by the building is the main building, which is the Kaaba. And we read the ayah as well as the first hadith. Now, inshallah, we will study the second hadith, which is, حدثنا عبد الله بن مسلمة عن مالك عن ابن شهاب عن سالم عن سالم بن عبد الله أن عبد الله بن محمد بن أبي بكر أخبر عبد الله بن عمر عن عائشة رضي الله عنهم So Aisha رضي الله عنها زوج النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم The wife of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم She reported that أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لها That the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said to her That ألم تري أن قومك لما بنوا الكعبة اقتصروا عن قواعد إبراهيم that do you not know that when your people built the Kaaba, they did not really, they left some of the foundations of Ibrahim alayhi salam. فَقُلْتُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ So I said, O Messenger of Allah, أَلَا تَرُدُّهَا عَلَى قَوَاعِدِ Ibrahim. Are you not going to rebuild the Kaaba on the original foundations of Ibrahim? قَالَ He said, لَوْ لَا حِدْسَانُ قَوْمِكِ بِالْكُفْرِ لَفَعَلْتُ If it was not for the fact that your people have recently embraced Islam, meaning they were in disbelief not too long ago, I would have done that already. فَقَالَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ لَإِنْ كَانَتْ عَائِشَةُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا سَمِعَتْ هَذَا مِنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ So Abdullah said that because Aisha رضي الله عنها heard this from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, this is why I know that مَا أُرَى رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ تَرَكَ the Prophet ﷺ left istilam, meaning touching, the ruknain, the two corners. Which two corners? Alladaini yaliyan al hijra. The two corners which are close to the hijr, the hijr as in the hatim. Illa an al bayta lam yutamam ala qawaidi Ibrahim, and he did this only because the Kaaba was not completed on the foundations of Ibrahim salam. So what is happening over here? In the next hadith also we will see, in the next few hadith, that basically Aisha radiallahu anha asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa about the hatim. The hatim is the semicircle which you see right next to the Kaaba. So she asked him about that wall, that what is that wall? So he said that that was actually part of the Kaaba, meaning the Kaaba was actually much bigger. But when the Quraysh rebuilt the Kaaba, they basically fell short of supplies. So they reduced the size of the building. And this is the reason why Abdullah said that the Prophet ﷺ, when he went around the Kaaba, he did not touch the two corners of the Kaaba which are close to the Hatim. So basically the four corners are which ones? One corner has the Hajar Aswad, which you're supposed to touch, all right, or at least you know, raise your hand towards when you're doing the tawaf. And then there is also the rukun, Yemeni, on the other side, which you also touch. But then these other two corners you don't touch. Why? Because they're not actually the two corners of the Kaaba. On that side is the hatim, 
which was basically an area uh, which was a part of the original building that Ibrahim salam constructed. And then what happened is that the people of Makkah, the Quraysh, left that area out. Why did they leave it out? The Prophet wasallam said over here that they left it. And the reason is that the people of Makkah basically fell short of supplies. Basically what we learn in the seerah is that during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ, remember this was just a few years before prophethood, the Kaaba was damaged by a fire and a flood. And basically the Kaaba now had to be rebuilt. So what happened is that the Quraysh, they first of all broke it down completely and then they rebuilt it. Now in order to rebuild the Kaaba, remember that of course to construct a building, you need some wood. They had a lot of stones because Makkah is basically a barren rocky valley and surrounded by mountains. So they had a lot of stones, but they didn't have access to wood. So what had happened was that Jeddah, remember that Jeddah is by the sea, there was a ship that was going and basically it sank or there was some kind of problem because of which a lot of wood was being sold at Jeddah. So the people of Makkah, the Quraysh, collected money in order to, and they collected the most halal earnings that they had, basically, in order to purchase that wood, they brought it and they rebuilt the Karba, but of course that wood was not enough. So because it was not enough, they left a portion of the original structure out. And that is the Hatim as we know it today. And also what they did is the people of Quraysh, they also raised the door of the Karba. And why did they do that? Uh, so that everybody could not enter the Kaaba. And then they also put a roof on the Kaaba. Okay? Because uh, prior to that, they didn't have the materials. They really didn't have the resources. So we see over here that Aisha anha asked the Prophet wasallam that why don't you rebuild the Kaaba on its original foundations? And the Prophet wasallam explained that it's because your people have recently left Kufr. Meaning they're not ready for such a huge change. And this shows us the wisdom of dealing with people. That sometimes you know that something is right, but you don't do it or you defer it. Why? Because people are not ready to handle it yet. They're not ready to accept it. So here, it was already a big deal that the people had left idolatry and now they were only worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So to sort of uh, shake them, it, it would be you know against wisdom to uh, rebuild the Kaaba uh, in a way that they were not familiar with. Also, what we learn from this hadith is that when we go around the Kaaba, when we're doing tawaf, we have to do tawaf from outside the hatim. Don't try to take a shortcut, okay? That you leave the hatim out and just go from the inside. Because if you do that, you're going through the Kaaba, you're not exactly going around the Kaaba. And one more thing, that semicircle, it, it's the hatim. All right, or the Hijr. Some people call it Hijr Ismail. And they have this understanding that it was the wall of Ismail alayhi salam or that Ismail alayhi salam is buried over there. And these kind of concepts are not correct. All right, that Hatim is, we understand the background now, that the only reason why it was left out was because people did not have the supplies. حدثنا مسدد حدثنا أبو الأحوص حدثنا أشعث عن الأسود بن يزيد عن عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت سألت النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عن الجدر that she said that I asked the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم about the wall wall meaning the wall of the Hatim that أمين البيت هو is it part of the Kaaba قال he said نعم yes it is part of the Kaaba قلت فما لهم لم يدخلوه في البيت 
she said that how come people did not make it part of the Kaaba? Meaning, why is it separate? Qala, he said, إِنَّ قَوْمَكِ قَصَّرَتْ بِهِمُ النَّفَقَةِ Your people fell short of the supplies. قُلْتُ فَمَا شَأْنُ بَابِهِ مُرْتَفِعًا Then she asked that why is the door of the Kaaba so elevated? Like the point of the door is that you should be able to enter. But the door of the Kaaba is so high that only tall men can reach with their hands. So she asked, why is that so? Qala, he said, فَعْلَ ذَلِكَ قَوْمُكِ لِيُدْخِلُوا مَنْ وَيَمْنَعُوا مَنْ your people did this so that they would now admit into the Kaaba whoever they wanted and they would not permit inside the Kaaba whoever they did not want. وَلَوْلَا أَنَّ قَوْمَكِ حَدِيثٌ عَهْدُهُمْ بِالْجَاهِلِيَّةِ And if it was not for the fact that your people were recently in jahiliyyah and ignorance فَأَخَافُ أَن تُنْكِرَ قُلُوبُهُمْ And if it was not for the fear that their hearts would not accept this أَنْ أُدْخِلَ الْجَدْرَ فِي الْبَيْتِ وَأَنْ أُلْتِقَ بَابَهُ بِالْأَرْضِ That I would have made the wall a part of the Kaaba and I would also have brought the door down to ground level. Next hadith, حَدَّثَنَا عُبَيْدُ بْنُ إِسْمَعِيلَ حَدَّثَنَا أَبُوْ أُسَامَةَ عَنْ هِشَامٍ عَنْ أَبِيهِ عَنْ عَائِشَةَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا قَالَتْ قَالَ لِي رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ Aisha radiallahu anha said that the Prophet if it was not for the fact that your people had recently been disbelievers, I would have brought the Kaaba down and then I would have rebuilt it on the foundations of Ibrahim alayhi salam. فَإِنَّ قُرَيْشًا إِسْتَقْصَرَتْ بِنَاءَهُ وَجَعَلْتُ لَهُ خَلْفًا And the people did this, the Quraysh did this. The Quraysh have basically been incomplete in the building of the Kaaba, meaning they have not fully constructed it. And if I were to rebuild it, I would also have put a khalf on it. What is meant by khalf? Qala Abu Mu'awiyah, haddathana hishamun khalfan yarni baban. Meaning a back door. So the Prophet ﷺ wanted two doors on the Kaaba. Why two doors? So that people would be able to enter through one door and exit from the other. But did the Prophet ﷺ do that? No, he didn't. Even though he wanted to. But he didn't because the people were not ready for it. حدثنا بيان بن عمر حدثنا يزيد حدثنا جرير بن حازم حدثنا يزيد بن رومان عن عروة عن عائشة رضي الله عنها أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لها يا عائشة لولا أن قومك حديث عهد بجاهلية لأمرت بالبيت فهدم the Prophet said, O Aisha, if it was not for the fact that your people were recently in ignorance, I would have commanded that the Kaaba is hudima, that it is brought down, it is raised to the ground. فَأَدْخَلْتُ فِيهِ مَا أُخْرِجَ مِنْهُ And I would have admitted to it what has been left out of it, meaning the area of the Hatim. وَأَلْزَقْتُهُ بِالْأَرْضِ And I would have joined it with the Ground, meaning the door would be on ground level. وَجَعَلْتُ لَهُ بَابَيْنِ بَابًا شَرْقِيًّا وَبَابًا غَرْبِيًّا I would have made for two doors, one شَرْقِي meaning on the eastern side and one غَرْبِي meaning on the western side. فَبَلَغْتُ بِهِ أَسَاسَ إِبْرَاهِيمِ And I would have rebuilt the Kaaba on the foundations of Ibrahim السلام. So this is what Aisha anha narrated. Now over here, Yazid, the narrator, as you can see, حدثنا Yazid ibn Ruman, he says that فَذَلِكَ الَّذِي حَمَلَ بْنَ الزُّبَيْرِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا عَلَى هَدْمِهِ 
This is the reason why Ibn Zubayr radiallahu anhu, he demolished the Kaaba. Okay, remember that when Abdullah ibn Zubayr became Khalifa of Makkah, what happened is that he demolished the Kaaba and he rebuilt it. And he rebuilt it on the exact same description given over here in the Hadith. Alright? Meaning, he made it bigger so that there was no Hatim then, and he put two doors, and he made the doors on ground level. So this is what he did. قَالَ يَزِيدُ وَشَهِدْتُ بْنَ الزُّبَيْرِ حِينَ هَدَمَهُ وَبَنَاهُ وَأَدْخَلَ فِيهِ مِنَ الْحِجْرِ وَقَدْ رَأَيْتُ أَسَاسَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ حِجَارَةً كَأَسْنِمَةِ الْإِبِلِ So Yazid mentions over here about how at the time when it was being reconstructed, at the time of Abdullah ibn Zubayr, he saw the original foundations of Ibrahim salam, Meaning the original stones that had been put under the ground. By who? By Ibrahim salam, And that those stones look like Asnimatil Ibil. Like, he compared it to the humps of camels. Meaning huge and round boulders. قَالَ جَرِيرٌ فَقُلْتُ لَهُ أَيْنَ مَوْضِعُهُ قَالَ أُرِيكَهُ الْآنَ So basically he was asked about where exactly those stones were. And he said, I will show you. فَدَخَلْتُ مَعَهُ الْحِجْرَ فَأَشَارَ إِلَى مَكَانٍ فَقَالَ هَا هُنَا قَالَ جَرِيرٌ فَحَزَرْتُ مِنَ الْحِجْرِ سِتَّةَ أَدْرُعٍ أَوْ نَحْوَهَا So basically he indicated a place and he told him as to where he had seen the stones. Now, over here we see that Abdullah ibn Zubayr radiallahu anhu, when he rebuilt the Kaaba, he rebuilt it according to the plan that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa gave. Then what happened? Where did that go? Hmm? Exactly. Basically, when later on, when Abdullah ibn Zubayr's khilafah was finished, all right, remember the Hajjaj bin Yusuf, if you've heard of that name, he was sent against Abdullah ibn Zubayr and he basically destroyed Makkah, basically. And then the Kaaba had to be rebuilt. And they rebuilt it in opposition to Abdullah bin Zubayr. They rebuilt it as it was previously. And this, you know, happened a few times. And then finally we learn that once the Khalifa of the time, Harun al-Rashid, he asked Imam Malik, he asked Imam Malik that should we demolish the Kaaba and rebuild it as Abdullah bin Zubayr had built it? Because Abdullah bin Zubayr had built it according to the wish of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Imam Malik said, leave it. Because don't make the Kaaba a toy for the kings or for the leaders of the Muslims. That each one comes and demolishes it and makes it as his people had made once upon a time. So leave this. And this is the reason why since that time now, the Kaaba has been basically kept on that same design. And if you think about it, there is actually benefit in this. What do you think the benefit is? That if the Kaaba had two doors then imagine how much pushing and shoving would be going on. And then besides, when a part of the Kaaba has been left out, then a lot of people are actually able to go and pray there. So praying in the Hatim is like praying inside the Kaaba. So there is some benefit in this. So when you do go over there, you should be familiar with what each corner is and what the Hatim is so that you can perform your tawaf properly, inshallah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, your people because Quraysh. He was not addressing them directly, right? If he was addressing them, he would say my people. When you're in the Hatim, you should face the Kaaba. Because when the Prophet ﷺ was inside the Kaaba, he prayed in a specific direction. And besides, when you're in the Hatim, then technically, I mean, the Kaaba is in front of you, even though you're within the area of the Kaaba, but still you should face the Kaaba. Okay? 
Definitely. By the time of Abdullah ibn Zubayr, were people ready for the change? Certainly they were. However, later on, because of political bias, you can say, that's why the people who came after him demolished the Kaaba and rebuilt it as it was prior to Abdullah ibn Zubayr. Because if the Kaaba was, you know, as Abdullah ibn Zubayr had reconstructed it, then it would, you know, keep reminding them of Abdullah ibn Zubayr. And that's something that they did not want. Next is Bab Fadlil Harami. The excellence of the Haram. Now, the Haram is what? Haram is the area which is within the hudud or the boundaries of the Haram. So basically, Masjidul Haram, okay, the Kaaba and the Masjid, this is within the Haram, but the Haram is much bigger than Masjidul Haram. And remember that the Haram is Different from the mawaqit. The mawaqit are the places where you put on the ihram. When you are going to Mecca for Umrah or for Hajj. But the haram is the area which is the sanctuary or the haram where basically there are certain uh, rules where uh, you're not allowed to cut trees. No person is allowed to be killed. Even animals cannot be hunted. So this is the area of the Haram. And inshallah, I'll show you an image. But Haram basically is Mina and Muzdalifa. Mina and Muzdalifa are inside the Haram, but Arafat is outside the Haram. Okay? So try to think about the distance between Masjidul Haram and Mina. And then Arafat is not too far from Mina, but Arafat is outside of the Haram. So this is basically the Miqat. This boundary is the boundary of Miqat. You can see the Hulayfa close to Medina. This is Juhfa. This is Dhatu'ir, Qarnul Manazil, Yalamlam. These names are familiar, right? We went through them before. So this is the area of Miqat where you have to put on the Ihram before entering. And this is the area of the Haram. So this is Haram. So the Haram is within the Miqat and the Masjidul Haram is Inside the haram. So this is, you could say, the sacred boundary. A more close-up you can see over here. The masjid is here and basically they've pointed out which mountain exactly is at the boundary of the haram. Okay, now over here Imam Bukhari mentions the, the virtues of haram, the excellence of the haram. So these boundaries basically of the haram were actually marked by Ibrahim alayhi salam. We learn there's a hadith which is classed as Hassan that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu reported the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent Tamim ibn Asad al-Khuzari to renew the boundary markers of the haram. So people had their you know ways of identifying that okay this rock or this tree or whatever. So uh, he sent Tamim ibn Asad why? To go and renew the boundary marker so that people would know that okay from here from this point onwards the haram begins and the hadith continues that they had been placed by Ibrahim alayhi salam originally and Jibreel had showed him where to put them so the haram boundary is not something that people have come up with this is something that was based on what Ibrahim alayhi salam said and then of course the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he renewed them 
وَقَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى And his statement, meaning from the Qur'an, that إِنَّمَا أُمِرْتُ أَنْ أَعْبُدَ رَبَّ هَذِهِ الْبَلْدَةِ الَّذِي حَرَّمَهَا وَلَهُ كُلُّ شَيْءٍ وَأُمِرْتُ أَنْ أَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ You know, when you're going to Mecca, you actually see the haram boundary marks. Sometimes you will see pillars, and on the pillars there is a big sign. Haram al-Sharif, something begins from here. Or... Sometimes you can also see that big mushaf kind of bridge thing that you go under. There are big signs. From this point onwards, no non-Muslims allowed. Right. So this is the area where only Muslims are allowed. And this is the area where the haram restrictions begin. So Imam Bukhari brings an ayah over here. What is the ayah? That, إِنَّمَا أُمِرْتُ أَنْ أَعْبُدَ رَبَّ هَذِهِ الْبَلْدَةِ That declare that indeed I have been commanded to worship the Lord of this city. الَّذِي حَرَّمَهَا The one who has حَرَّمَ The city. Meaning Allah has made Makkah haram. Haram in the sense that He has declared it sacred. وَلَهُ كُلُّ شَيْءٍ And to Allah belongs everything. وَأُمِرْتُ أَنْ أَكُونَ مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ And I have been ordered to be of the Muslims. وَقَوْلِهِ جَلَّ ذِكْرُهُ And another ayah Imam Bukhari brings over here. That أَوَلَمْ نُمَكِّلْ لَهُمْ حَرَمًا آمِنًا Have we not established for them a haram that is amin, meaning a sanctuary that is also a place of safety and security. And who established this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala established this. Yujba ilayhi thamaratu kulli shay, the fruits of everything are brought to it, meaning a lot of benefits or a lot of material benefits, even fruits literally are brought into Makkah. Rizqam milladunna as provision from us, walakinna aktharahum la yalamun, but most of them do not know. So both of these ayat, what do they show? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has made haram, haram. Okay? Allah is the one who has declared this area to be sacred. And in a hadith which is in Bukhari and Muslim both, we learn that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said that, إِنَّ هَذَا الْبَلَدَ حَرَّمَهُ اللَّهُ يَوْمَ خَلَقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ That Allah declared the city sacred on the day that He created the heavens and the earth. Meaning from the beginning of the creation of the earth, the haram is haram. This is not something that came about later, but this has been the case from the beginning. Okay, so in the hadith we learned that this area was declared haram by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the beginning of the creation of the earth. And in the hadith, which I just mentioned to you, in which we learned that Ibrahim salam you know, he set up the markers basically at the instruction of Jibreel. What does that mean? Basically, Ibrahim only showed the areas. They were already sacred, but Ibrahim only manifested the sacredness of the area. And when it comes to the haram, remember that in it is, of course, the Baytullah, okay, the house of Allah, which is the first place of worship, a place where people must visit for hajj, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made the haram amin, a place of security. And Ibrahim alayhi salam made dua for this, that Rabbi ja'al hadha baladan aminan, that oh my Lord, make this city a place of safety. And this is a place where provisions are multiplied, meaning when a person goes there, their risk is multiplied. But the Prophet sallallahu alayhi salam made dua for Medina, that oh Allah, bless Medina, with double blessing compared to that of Makkah. So Makkah has a special barakah. 
And of course, the reward of good deeds, especially salah, is also multiplied over there. Now Imam Bukhari brings a hadith. حَدَّثْنَا عَلَيُّ بْنُ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ حَدَّثْنَا جَرِيرُ بْنُ عَبْدِ الْحَمِيدِ عَنْ مَنْصُورٍ عَنْ مُجَاهِدٍ عَنْ طَاوُوسٍ عَنْ إِبْنِ عَبَّاسٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا قَالَ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَوْمَ فَتْحِ مَكَّةَ the Prophet ﷺ said on the day of the conquest of Makkah that inna هذا البلد حرمه الله that indeed this city Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who has made it sacred. So when Allah has made it sacred what are the rules? لا يعضد شوكه Its thorns should not be removed meaning removed from the trees ولا ينفر صيده and its game should not be chased وَلَا يَلْتَقِطُ لُقْطَتَهُ إِلَّا مَنْ عَرَّفَهَا وَلَا يَلْتَقِطُ لُقَطَتَهُ No one should pick up its لُقَطَة except for the person who can announce it. So the Prophet ﷺ declared over here that Makkah is a place that has been made sacred. And this is something we should remember when we go to Makkah. And three things he mentions over here. What are these three things? That first of all, it's thorns should not be removed. Okay? If thorns cannot be removed, then what do you think about the branches and the trunk and everything else? Can they be removed? No, they cannot be removed. So this means that the trees or the plants of Makkah cannot be cut. They cannot be removed. And remember that at one occasion when the Prophet ﷺ mentioned this, the people asked for an exception. What was the exception? A certain kind of grass. Idhir grass. That they asked that we should be allowed to cut it because they used it for different reasons. You know, the scholars do differentiate between the plants that grow themselves in the haram and the plants that have been planted by people. Like for example, if someone has a tree or a plant that they have grown themselves, then are they allowed to pick its fruit or are they allowed to pick the flower? Are they allowed to remove the leaves? You see, when you're planting something for agriculture reasons or even for beautification, then it needs maintenance, right? So the scholars have differentiated between plants that grow by by themselves in the haram and then plants that are grown by people, okay? So what is grown by people they say that it is allowed to cut them, so on and so forth. But when it comes to the plants that grow themselves, then those cannot be cut. Secondly, the second thing that's mentioned over here in this hadith is, وَلَا يُنَفَّرُ صَيْدُهُ Its game should not be chased. What does it mean by this? Basically, hunting is not allowed in Makkah, in the area of the Haram specifically. So if, for example, a person sees that there is, you know, a very good animal that they could hunt, right? But they're within the boundaries of the haram. Can they chase it so that once it's outside the boundaries of the haram, then they catch it or they hunt it? Hmm? No, even that is not allowed. وَلَا يُنَفَّرُ صَيْدُهُ By the way, some people think that the pigeons of Makkah are very special. There is nothing really special about the pigeons of Makkah. They're just pigeons. All right, uh, because you know, recently someone told me that somebody gave them money, especially so that they would go and buy grain and feed it to the pigeons over there. I mean, it's okay. You want to give sadaqa, all right, but there's n- you know no special significance. 
This is interesting. What is lukata? Lukata is basically a lost object or a lost property. So for example, you're walking and you see a wallet, you see sunglasses, you see a pair of shoes, you see a water bottle. This is lukata. And this is of course something that happens. Wherever there are people, people will lose their things. So you will come across a lot of lost items. So the Prophet ﷺ said, no one should pick it up except for the one who can announce it. Meaning, if you pick it up, you have to announce it until you find the owner. Alright? And basically, the rules of luqata, like for example, if you're going somewhere, even over here, let's say, you find a wallet. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to announce it for up to a year. Right? Minimum. You announce it for a year. And if no one claims it, you can actually use it. You can, you can do whatever you want with it. You can sell it. You can use it or you can keep it, whatever you want to do. However, if the owner comes and they demand that from you, then you have to give it to them. Technically, this is how you deal with a luqata. Unless it's something that really does not have much value. However, if you find a lost object in Mecca, then you can only announce it. You will never become its owner. You understand? Anywhere else, if you find some lost property, alright, and it's such kind of property that needs to be taken care of, or it needs to be used, otherwise it'll go waste, then you will announce it for a year, and after the year it becomes your property. And then if the owner comes later on, then you can return it to them or you can compensate them if they wish. However, when it comes to Makkah, if you pick something up, you only have to announce it. That's it. It will never become your property. So what is best then? Just leave it. Don't pick it up. Or what you can do is you can hand it over to to the, you know, the management over there and there's big signs of lost and found stuff. So you can hand it over.